0: All right,
1: here we go.
2: Welcome to another episode of the non Nation podcast. And today I am here with Adriana, who is a former real estate agent and now a police officer for, I can't remember which department though. Mesa. For Mesa. Okay. Um, So there's got to be at least a little bit of story in there. Like how did you go from here to there?
3: There definitely (laughs) is. Yeah, for sure. Um, So so my husband and I from Tucson originally, pretty much grew up in Tucson. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't born there, but raised there pretty much. Um, and we got married and it'll almost be 10 years now. So in March will be 10 years. Congratulations! Our, <laughs> thank you. Our anniversary. Thank you. Um, and so he and I moved, we got married we we're like, Hey, let's have an adventure. And so we just took off and went to California, Northern California, mm-hmm. um, little town called Redding. It's like a couple hours south of the Oregon border. Um, nice little area but I was there I was a waitress for the longest time before Mm -hmm. and I one day I saw a little brochure and I was like I'm gonna do real estate you know because college didn't end up working out for me I'm not a I'm not much of a college student (laughs) it wasn't my thing but uh yeah so I did real estate for a couple years there and then we ended up getting evacuated from the fires up there. They got so bad every mm-hmm. year and came back to Arizona, decided to live in Mesa because Tony's um, Tony's my husband. His dad lives in Gilbert. So oh. they had. luckily they had an apartment that they just had somebody move out of. And so um, uh, we ended up moving there. Luckily we didn't have jobs. We just came here because it was crazy. So I ended up getting my real estate license here did real estate a couple years here. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it's real estate. It was kind of boring, you know, like it wasn't, it didn't, I, I didn't really feel like fulfilled or like I was making a difference. Mm Um, um, but anyways, in my real estate career, I had, um, couple of weird run-ins with some people, um, that were a little bit sketchy. I had one guy, um, follow me into, uh, I was parking into like a a house that I was showing a client and I got there early Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and he saw, he like made eye contact with me. He was riding his bike. He made eye contact with me and he swung around and followed my car into this neighborhood. And I parked my car one thing I shouldn't have done, which I didn't know at the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you
3: never park in, right? You always reverse in. Right. Um, Didn't know that. Well, I parked my car and I just see him in my rear view mirror just like, like going back and forth and going back and forth and just watching me. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, this is sketchy. Yeah. So I called um, a friend of mine. I was like, hey, like this is happening. Like, what do I do? And she was like, call the cops. So at that point, I like had no knowledge of self-defense, nothing like anything like that. I was Mm -hmm. I was a victim.
0: (laughs) Just
1: waiting (laughs) to happen. (laughs) Just
3: waiting. Just the at my own fault. Or at my own, you know. Anyways, so I was like, well that's weird. And then I had another one a couple years later where um same thing kind of happened. Like I was setting up for an open house and I saw this guy track me in a truck. He was very distinct truck. And he was watching me and he watched where I went. And then a couple hours later, he showed up at my open house and at the very end and oh. he would not leave. And he was just asking all kinds of questions in this house that I was showing. It was a teeny tiny little house. Right. It was one of my first listings. This was in California. And he kept talking about how he was like wanting acreage and all this stuff and but clearly this house was not matching what right. he was saying he wanted and i was like this guy won't leave he's really sketching me out and luckily this other um person that was at the house the uh, the open house i think they realized what was happening mm-hmm. and they were they were done like looking at the house too but like they wouldn't leave either and so eventually like we got him to leave and i i stopped and i thanked the person i was like thank you for sticking around cuz that was right you know, nothing ever happened, but it was, it's all, just just those spidey senses, you mm-hmm. know, things like that. So, um, a couple other random things, but, you know, like tweakers sleeping in houses in Phoenix that I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm supposed to show this house right now. And there's somebody in here sleeping yeah. <laughs> in this vacant house. So, uh, that led to me doing like personal defense classes and uh, um pistol classes so when i got to arizona I was like mm-hmm. i was like okay, okay I, I conceal carry right like it's a thing we can do that here Great Decision. <laughs> so um my husband was a big part of that too he really encouraged me to like figure out how to defend myself because mm-hmm. he has me on the 360 app and he tracks everywhere I go. Okay. Oh, so he'd be like, hey, if you're not there, I know I know something's wrong. Like, I'm gonna come get you. Right. And now I'm like, okay, I can take care of myself for the most part. There you go. Yeah. So um, so that's kind of what led to me being more confident in um being able to take care of myself. And then one day, so COVID had happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I had it was probably gonna be my best year in real estate. I had so many clients, um, mostly buyers. Um they but then COVID hit and people lost their jobs and they were like, Oh, we don't know what the economy is doing, so we're not gonna buy a house anymore and all this stuff. And then similar time, right? Obviously we all know the George Floyd incident was happening. Right. And um I was hearing all the stories about police officers quitting their jobs. And I'm like, Well, that sucks. Yeah. So me being dumb, I decided to <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm gonna go help them out. Yeah. So one day I told my husband, I said, Hey, what do you think if I become a police officer? I did not expect his, he's a very supportive person. So I don't know why I didn't expect him to support me, but he was like, hell yeah, I can do it. Right. So I applied, um, like literally the next week, the following week. And, um, and I got hired by Mesa first thing.
0: Nice.
3: Yeah, I applied to a couple of different departments, but Mesa was, I liked them better.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, So why do you say that? What what was different?
3: Well, the hiring process. So I applied to Gilbert Mm -hmm. and to Mesa and to Tempe. Okay. Um, I actually had a friend of mine. He was the Tempe hiring sergeant.
0: Mm -hmm. So
3: he was like, pretty much like, hey, just apply. Like, you'll probably get the job. We'll Mm -hmm. hire you um, and applied with Mesa. Um, I really liked the way they had their, um, the hiring process seemed to be a lot more, how do I say this? um, it was just, it just seemed better. So when, so when I applied for Gilbert, right, the physical fitness aspect of it, and granted it was during COVID. So Uh Gilbert said, Hey, here's your physical fitness test. Just do it and email us your times. Uh And I'm like, okay, Okay.
0: sure.
3: (laughs) So these are the people that you're
0: hiring.
3: (laughs) Like, no problem. Uh, 100 push ups in a minute. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I don't know. I like to me, it was kind of just like, um, it seemed a little half fast. And I'm like, these other departments were still doing the physical fitness tests right. even though COVID was happening. And I, I was like, eh. the- like if they're going to just trust people, like yeah. cops lie to you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> people were human. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I was like, I don't know if I would want to work with, uh, with that sort of standard, if you, if you, if you will, like right. it's, it seemed a little low um, for, for what the job that I'm going into, mm-hmm. um, if that makes sense. So um, I was talking to one of the hiring sergeants when I went to the physical fitness um, um, exam for Mesa. And I asked him, I was like, why should I choose Mesa? And he said, well, if you're going up against Tempe Tempe, it's like a college town, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot more liberal, and they either hate you one day or they like they're like, "Oh, we need the police." The next day, right? And they're they're very like back and forth with how supportive they are of PD. Uh, Mesa's a lot more supportive of their police, Um, and then he also said it's just like it's not landlocked, so there's a lot more opportunity for growth and you know movement in the department. And if I wanted to do a specialty unit or you know, promote or whatever, I'd have more opportunities to do that. So it's kind of my picked Mesa.
2: seems like a good thing.
3: Yeah. Along with all the people that I right. met there, they were really, really cool. Nice. Yeah. So that's pretty uh, much.
2: And you've been doing that for three years now.
3: Mm-hmm. It'll okay. be three years in January. So just about. Just yeah.
2: Now, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is this something that you see as like, this is your career now? Like, till so you retire or do you kind of have other ideas about things you want to do?
3: Um, that's definitely a question that I am, I love my job. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Patrol is so much fun. And I actually like recently um, was encouraged to work on promoting and mm-hmm. become a sergeant because they just need more good people, I guess. I don't know. Um It's interesting right now because 60% of our patrol is, has less than three years on. And because After the 2008 crash, we had like a four, four or five year hiring freeze, and so they're still trying to catch up from that. Wow! And then when, when you know, COVID and George Floyd and all that stuff happened, we lost quite a few people. Um, so for me, I have always wanted to be a mom. Like, I definitely want to have kids. People are still surprised I say we've been married ten years and we don't have kids. Mm -hmm. Um, there's reasons for that. Um that we could go into on a different day, but, um, okay. Anyways, so career, I could definitely see myself doing this job for a very long time. And at the same time, I, I see in my job on a day-to-day basis, children that have, that have parents that are not present mm-hmm. and I see how it affects them. Um, um, I do not want to do that to my kids. Yeah. So it is definitely something that Tony and I have talked about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, figuring out, well, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to continue working? Like, um, we, he definitely doesn't want me on patrol after having kids, um, because of the dangers, uh, potential dangers of it. And he's like, I don't want my kids to lose their mother. Right. Um, which I get. So, it's it's definitely something that is in discussion. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Um, I know I have other opportunities and other things that I could definitely do. Um, like as side gigs, like you've got your podcast that right. you're doing, you know. Yeah. Um so it's one of those things that it's like, oh, we'll see.
2: Right. Well, speaking of that though, I mean, you do have the thing that you do with Life Field Craft Survival.
3: Yeah. Um, you yeah. know,
2: helping them train the class. Um, uh, could you talk about that class?
3: Yeah. So, um, um, my husband and I went, we started going to like random field craft survival classes. We go to a lot of different classes, uh, mm-hmm. different, um, like rogue methods. Raul Martinez is a good buddy of ours as well. He used to work for them. Um, he does different classes as well, but we're always trying like training and trying to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a big part for my job, but just for, you know, our self growth. Right. Um, so I was given the opportunity to help out field craft survival with a personal defense class that they do or a personal security class that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically like for civilians, my role is kind of as a police officer, I help, I help teach the class. Like, because a lot of it goes towards like mindset and like awareness, right? Um, if I was a completely oblivious person, I might've gotten attacked in those instances when I was in real estate, but because I was somewhat aware of my surroundings, I was able to, you know, separate myself from those situations. Right. Um, and unfortunately we see a lot of videos where people are just victims, right? And they're got, they've got their head in their phones and they're walking around and they get attacked by a predator Mm -hmm. because, Predators seek out victims mm-hmm. and what's a better victim. You know, somebody that's got their head on a swivel or somebody that's got their head on a phone. Right. Not paying attention. So, um, that, that class kind of, we go over a lot of different videos in that class of like different inst- instances that are incidents that have occurred to people, um, just to kind of get their mindset in the right place. Mm-hmm. And then it's really fun. Cause we actually get to put them through scenarios. Right. So, um, which scenario based training is like the best because yes. you really get to figure out, um, how your body responds to stress. Um, right. and so we, we measure it based on the person and based on different things in their personal lives. Like if they have kids or, you know, if they're single or if they like to go hiking and what kind of hobbies they have and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So we got, we let, li- we like to measure it on the, based on the person and right. and also the skill level as well. Yeah. Um, if they have previous previous experience, but um, yeah, it's a fun class. Yeah. Get to go over a lot of fun things, and yeah, I got to the help out on.
2: with uh, the last class. I think you guys did uh, yes. with Brandon, yes. Um, and putting on like the the suit and running at somebody, yeah. While they're trying to draw, yeah, you know, again and, and shoot you, be, yeah. Be stop you. That's... We
3: demonstrate. It's we kind of yeah. demonstrate the twenty-one foot rule. It's not right. necessarily a an exact thing, but it was a study that that was done a while ago.
0: Mm-hmm. So.
3: That's fun. We get to, basically, it's like, okay, you know, if somebody's running at you with a knife, like, how quick can you draw a firearm and respond? Right. Or if they're just like, if you're a tiny woman and, like, big dude's running at you, like, you got to be able to react. And it takes your brain a couple of seconds to figure out what's actually happening.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And then to, you know, send all the right responses to your body to Mm -hmm. figure out what you need to do. And... If you don't train those things, right. Then I don't know. It's oh,
2: like <laughs> things like that are are a lot like writing something down. When when it's on paper, it looks one way. When you're actually in that situation and it's happening to you, it's a whole other thing. Oh yeah. You know, it's like right. it's, it's it's not enough to say, "Well, if somebody's running at me, I'm going to draw my gun. I'm going to shoot them."
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: like no, you have to actually be able to like do that. Yeah. You know, not be all fumbling and trying to figure out like where your gun is, and then you know actually have that. Practice down the the fluidity of motion and and yeah. what to do, and actually be prepared to do it if yeah. it actually comes to it. So
3: yeah, and it's funny because it's it's a very it's a short class like it's mm-hmm. it's um you know one day and one of the things is I I tell people I'm like especially with the because there's we do an all women's class mm-hmm. and then the next day is like co-ed typically it's mostly men, um, but people really beat themselves up because. Mm-hmm they like failed, you know, they couldn't get the gun out or whatever. and They freak out. And it's like, Hey, you're not like, I have to preface this. Like if you're not failing at least 50% of the time, you're not training hard enough. Right. And so like, don't be bothered if you fail, but you have to be able to learn, learn from those things. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to be able to actually go back and keep training those things because you just take this one day class and then expect to be good. Right. It's not, it's not going to be.
2: Yeah. It's not going to hold. That's one of those things that I I don't quite understand about people, about how they think of things. If you look at any other profession, especially, let's just take sports as an example. Nobody walks up on the first day, you know, as a rookie and hits home runs all day. That's not how that works. You know, there's a significant number of of hours and training and all these other things, how many games they play and, you know, all of this experience that they get to get to where they are. Michael Jordan didn't start off being Michael Jordan. You know, and if you ask him, you know, you listen to the interviews and things that he talks about all of the failures and things that he had throughout the course of his life to get to where he is. Mm -hmm. You know, it it doesn't happen all by itself. And it's certainly not happening in one day.
3: People are so afraid to fail. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. It's like, and you see it a lot in the police department too. Um, you know, it's just, um people give me a hard time all the time because I do jujitsu and I, I shoot outside of work uh-huh. and I spend a lot of time and I'm in the gym all the time and I eat healthy and, and I'm like, you're giving me a hard time because you're insecure.
2: <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> you should do better.
2: Right. You should
3: do better. And I like, I don't, I don't talk down to people or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it is what it is. And in the sense of like, you are your own person, you know, mm-hmm. I am my own person and I'm going to do what I have to do to stay alive. Right. Cause I, I acknowledge that I am a female and I am a physically weaker sex. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do my job, I have to train that much harder right. to be able to survive and do what I need to do. Um, and be a good backup officer and, you know, do what I, you know what I mean? Right. So I do all these things outside of work and then, yeah, and then I see people that they they'll call out sick on days that we have training because they're like scared to fail in front of people. Right.
2: Like, then why are you doing this job? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh,
3: Interesting. it's frustrating. But, yeah. You know, yeah, maybe so you'll f- win them by influence one one at a time.
2: I guess. Um, I think that if people were teasing me about that, not that anybody does, but I would, my first response would be, "Well, when the zombies are coming, I'll outrun you." No, yeah <laughs> <You know. laughs> <laughs> <too. laughs> exactly yeah, um, so have you had any like I don't know if exciting is the right word for it, but encounters like while on patrol,
3: oh yeah, um I mean, I've only been on technically on the streets less than three less than or about two and a half years, right because okay. the academy was six months, I was hired in January mm-hmm. um you know like I said it'll be 3 years in January um so but even in that time I've got I've had quite a quite a bit of fun. I work on the west side of Mesa. Okay. Um I worked a little bit on the east side. Um they they definitely have their differences. Mm-hmm. Um our superstition division is huge. So you'll be out there and if you get into some shit out there, you'll be waiting for backup a little bit longer. Okay. Then uh, then on the West side, on the yeah, West yeah. side, you got back up pretty, pretty fucking quick. Nice. <laughs> so it's nice. Cause like well, good to know. doing on views <laughs> and going hunting and stuff, I, I feel like even though the crime and the type of people that you're dealing with on the West side is a little bit, um, the East, the East side still has it obviously, but it's a little bit more like there's a lot more, uh, gang activity and that sort of thing
0: mm-hmm.
3: on the West side. So I feel even though it's a little bit more spicy I feel safer That's a good word for it. <laughs> I feel safer doing on views and hunting um mm-hmm. on the west side than on the, than I would on the east side I got you. because it's like I don't know when my backup's going to be here. I was there and I would drive you know I'd have 15 minute code 3 runs meaning code 3 like lights and sirens it's an emergency somebody wow. needs help and I'm like driving for 15 minutes. It's Crazy. Okay. Um. But luckily, we've got. They broke ground recently on a new station. Um. We just need more people. <laughs> but yeah. So like on the west side, I've had some fun experiences, for sure. Um. One of my more recent ones was we had a. I was riding two man. So we don't get to ride two man like every day, but every now and again, if we're up enough people, um, mm-hmm. our bosses will let us ride, and. Uh, one of my friends, she and I were, we actually went to the Academy together and I swear every time she and I ride together, like it, we, we call it one of our, we, we always have one of our firsts together. Okay. Like when she and I rode two man, I had my first tasing. Um, when she and I, you know, uh, we just get into stuff together. Right. It's fun. Um, but anyway, so recently we had a call where, um, it was, we got a hot call, meaning like, hey, it's a priority one call. Um, somebody just shot up a vehicle. Oh, so wow. it was, I'm going to say it was near Southern and Mesa Drive um, where the call was. So we were, we hear the call come out and we were literally about to go to the station to go pee. We had to pee so bad. Yeah. And we're like, that sounds good. Like, we got to go to that. It's like, okay, we're going to hold it. So we we flip a bitch. We start going lights and sirens. We're listening to this call and it's saying, yeah, there's a black Kia, um, like passenger car with a temp tag. Um, They just shot up an occupied vehicle and they're going, I can't remember what they said the direction of travel was. But so we're driving, we're going lights and sirens to this call. We're kind of driving like, we're not going crazy Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times when people are driving lights and sirens to a call, the suspect vehicle will drive right by them and they won't even see it. So right. we're like, all right, we're going to see if we can see this person because I think, you know, we're listening to direction of travel and trying to figure out where they're going. So this call kicks out. We're on the way. And then all of a sudden, they're saying it's like a, couple, like a one or two minute time delay. Right? So they didn't call PD right away. So now this person could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. This suspect could be anywhere. So, then we have, so Mesa has real time crime center and they have um, cameras all over the city. Yeah. Um, and then they've got guys in the, in a the station, they have TVs just set up and they can see right. everything going on on all these cameras. Cool. So we have cameras set up at high crime areas and one of them is Guerrero Park. It's over near, um, uh, I'm forgetting the street. It's like near eighth and country club kind of. And okay. tucked in into one of the neighborhoods over mm-hmm. there. So we hear real-time crime center, they get up on the radio and they say, Hey, some dude just shoved a gun in this lady's face. Mm-hmm. And we're like right there. So we're at Southern and Country Club. Um, we're because we're headed east towards Mesa to go to the other call. And we're like, Holy shit, like, let's go to that. We're right here. Right. So um she's driving and i'm on comms um so we i tell her i'm like hey like uh the real time crime center he says hey they're near the bathroom which i know cuz you know we've worked there for a long time mm-hmm. bathrooms are on the south side so there's a north side parking lot south side parking lot so i told her i was like hey go in this way so we go in and right away we see a black kia uh-huh. passenger car with a temporary tag and i'm like son of a bitch it's them
0: Like hell yeah,
3: nice (laughs) got him, and all of a sudden, so we see we see the car, and I see three little fucking assholes. They see us, and because they're like running towards the car, and they see us, and they're like, oh shit! It's like the deer in the headlights look. They get in the car, and like this is right when we pulled into parking lot, so like they're still like a bit away. So they they reverse out, and they take off, Uh and we we take off after them. So I get on the radio, and I'm like, I call out the plate and i call out like um you know, like hey like you know we're behind them we're we're going after them they're taking off we have a failure to yield so now we're pursuing them okay and in mesa vehicle pursuits are not authorized um unless you have like a violent fleeing felon right okay. or like somebody that's like actively shooting Great. and like like the public is still in danger basically if that makes okay. sense yeah so we just have call where he straight up shot at an uh, a occupied vehicle. And now we have a real-time crime center, which is, it's not it's not just some random person calling in 911 because mm-hmm. we get those calls all the time, right? Like, oh, this person just threatened me with a gun. Well, did you see a gun? Well, no. <laughs> you so they didn't. Like, no. You know, so, but it's real-time crime center. So we have a legit reporting party. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, like in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, like we're doing this. We're, we're, this is my first vehicle pursuit. Great. And I'm not driving, but I'm in right. the passenger seat. So I tell my partner, I'm like, Hey, you're, you're driving. I'm on comms. So, and I have my gun out too. Like, and I got some flat, I got, I got some shit for this. Okay. Um, which that's a whole other, yeah, I had opinions that the people said it was a, it was a good thing. And people were like, no, you shouldn't do that. But I'm like, I have my gun out. Cause at any moment I could get into a gunfight with these guys, right. They could start doing something stupid you know or they if they stop then we're like at gunpoint Mm -hmm. so so they take off they end up going westbound um on to where were we on trying to think if we were on southern at that point Um, and then they turn, they go northbound on Country Club, so they're going in this big loop. Mm -hmm. The traffic is really heavy, so, like, in the initial, like, setting when we were on, like, the side streets, they were actually not driving crazy. They were just not yielding. They weren't stopping. Yeah. So, I'm just, like, okay, we're just letting people, people know, like, yeah, failure to yield, but, like, they're driving normal at first. Right. But at the same time, like, I keep getting bonked on my radio. So I'm having a hard time getting information out on my radio because there's somebody asking a bunch of dumb questions that don't matter right now. Right. And at this point, it's, this was a learning experience for me. I should have just hit my E button, which is like the button that it just blocks everybody out if I need to get information out on the radio. Mm-hmm. So um, lesson learned. Anyways, so we they start driving north on Country Club. And at this point, I'm like, okay, I call the pursuit out. And I'm like... My partner, she gets on the radio and she goes, they're driving normal. And I'm like, which they were. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they switched and they started going crazy. They started driving in the suicide lane. And I was like, 1022, which means disregard. They're not driving normal. They are going, um, and they almost went into the opposite direction of travel. Um, So they swung around all these cars, were chasing after them. They tried to turn right onto 8th. Mm -hmm. Um, and they crashed out head on collision with the person that was parked at the light right there. Mm -hmm. So we know there's three of them. So I'm like, shoot. So they crash out, driver pops out, takes off running. It's just us at this point. And then like a couple seconds later, we had another of our, one one of our guys pull up next to us. Um, so I get out the front passenger, they take off running. I almost took off after the front passenger. Mm -hmm but in my mind i remembered i'm like oh shit there's another person in there and like you're never supposed to run past a vehicle unless you've cleared it right cuz you could just get shot in the back mm-hmm. and sure enough this guy the third guy pops out and he starts to try and take off running and i get him at gunpoint and i'm like you know get on the fucking ground <laughs> like i start yelling at him yeah. and he prones out um like we end up moving up we get we get him into cuffs i Called out on the radio where the other guy went. I saw him. He ran westbound and then he went northbound on this like alleyway. Mm-hmm. And he tried doing the thing where he changes his clothes and like starts walking and tries to pretend like he wasn't the guy that was just involved. Right. And uh, my course were not dumb. So we caught him. My partner, the guy that she went chasing after mm-hmm. somewhere in the mix of the thing. I don't know if it was when they crashed out or when he was running, but he accidentally shot himself in the leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So she, she picked, she went running after him and luckily she had somebody backing her up cause they saw her running uh-huh. and um, they got that guy into custody and they were like, he was like crying like a little bitch. And they're like, what is wrong with you? And then they realize he shot himself. Right. So criminals are real smart. Yeah. Uh, anyways. So um, we ended up having a ton of people call in after that. We had, I took primary on the case and we had. 10 victims and six different crime scenes where these people put guns in people's face. And, okay. um, but we didn't start getting the calls until like, after, like, it's, so it's it's a very, it's a, the neighborhood is, it's a very, it's a poor-end neighborhood. It's, um, uh, a lot of times people will be victims of crimes, and they don't call police, because they're scared of police, because you know, they're scared to get sent back to Mexico. Unfortunately. Okay. And that's, I'm like, that's not my job. I don't care. Right. But, you know, like, I'm here to do my job. And mm-hmm. if you're a victim of a crime, like, I, I wish people understood that. But anyways, so they ended up being three little gangbangers. Um, the driver, he was 18, but the other two were underage. They were they were juveniles. Okay. Um, And they all participated in all these um, armed robberies together. They were sticking people, you know, trying to rob people and mm-hmm. putting people at gunpoint. The one with the drive-by shooting, they just randomly shot at them. Um, but we found out that they had just come from the funeral of their little gangbanger buddy that was killed like a mm-hmm. couple weeks before and it like gun deal gone bad, who was also a juvenile. Right. So all of my recent intense calls mm-hmm. have been juveniles, like running a ruckus with guns, shooting at each other, shooting at people, mm-hmm. just Being absolutely stupid and crazy. So, when I talk about kids, it kind of goes back to like, you know, the fatherless nation, so to speak,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and motherless too.
0: Yeah.
3: Unfortunately, Um, these are the things that I'm seeing on the streets. And so many of my more spicy calls have been involved with juveniles. Right. Just shooting at people.
2: So was that your first incident like that, or had you been in those sort of experiences before?
3: I'd never been in a vehicle pursuit. Okay. Um, I've definitely, you know, I've had a you know, i pointed my guns at my gun at a ton of people mm-hmm. and had, had situations where, you know, guns are involved. So, you know, tactics, we always have an immediate action team and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That one was probably a little bit more intense because we were, we, we were the ones that we picked them up and when they crashed out, they took off running. It's like, okay, you got to deal with it. There's three different people, you know, and you got to figure out on the fly, like what you're going to do, you know? So if you, um, if you're not good under pressure, Mm -hmm. you really screw things up. Fortunately, the person in in the vehicle that they had crashed into, nobody, nobody was injured, but that was another thing, right? Mm -hmm. I had to worry about my backdrop. Because I have this kid at gunpoint and there's people stuck in this vehicle that just got crashed into and they're freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a mom and her kids. Um, it, luckily the crash wasn't too fast because they had slowed down to try and turn.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: again, they weren't injured or anything, but and it's a very busy area. Yeah. Um a high crime area too. So we mm-hmm. don't know if somebody's just gonna pop out and try and do something stupid. But right. um yeah, so Um it was fun.
2: I had a lot of fun. So, like, I know that there are some people that that have the same job that you have or that have been in the military and they and they get in situations where they have to either shoot at people or they shoot people. And for them it's a pretty traumatic thing. Mm -hmm. And it can Mm -hmm. cause a lot of stress, PTSD, whatever you want to call it. Do you get that sort of feeling afterwards? Or is it something you just sort of Work through, or
3: well, I can't say that I've been through that. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have never used my firearm against anybody. Um, yeah. In like, I haven't shot anybody. I haven't had any kind of lethal force encounter where I felt like I needed to use it. I almost did once.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, actually, I shouldn't say once. There's been a couple of times where I was pretty close, but one time, I had my I had the slack out on the trigger um, on one call. And I actually felt very calm and I didn't realize, I didn't realize what had happened until way later when Mm -hmm. I was processing it. Um, um, I definitely have, I mean, there's a lot of different calls that you go on and you see some things and, you know, there's certain pictures in my mind that just randomly pop up. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I have a really good support system at my house. That's good. Uh, which I am lucky for, because mm-hmm. I know a lot of guys that I work with, and their wives cannot handle hearing their shit. Right. And luckily, I have a really good husband that is like, tell me everything, tell me all the gore, <laughs> tell me the, you know. And he, he, he is like, I give credit. I will give credit where credit is due. My husband is amazing. He is. Mm-hmm. With like a support system like no other. Um, he's the one that challenges me to continue to train all these things outside of the department. He keeps me sharp. Um, um, And he is the one that's like, hey, you need to talk to me. You need to tell me what's going on. Right. Like women always complain about having husbands that don't communicate. I don't have that problem. It's the other way around. He's okay. like, you don't talk to me enough.
1: Right. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so I am, I am blessed in that I have, I have a really good support system at home. Um, so if I ever have any kind of traumatic call that I've been on, I can go home and I can process it. Mm-hmm. And that's super helpful. Right. Um, because I, so I, I, I don't really have much to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like. I've always had that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um I was lucky to have been married and have a really good relationship with my husband before becoming poli- becoming a police officer. I right. you know I've been told in the in the police department uh I lost bets on people lost bets on me because um well we'll just say this the police department is like high school on steroids and everybody
2: okay. Yeah.
3: Y'all I'll keep it to a minimum <laughs> with <laughs> what I say.
2: No, I I can empathize with that one because working in DOC it, it's very much the same way. Yeah. Uh it there's a lot of uh connections between officers sometimes between officers and supervisors and you know a lot yeah. of those relationships don't last or they don't work out very well. Right. You know, but it's it's a thing. I mean, when you're spending that much of your time around those people, right. you know, yeah. and you're in
3: High intense situations. here in
2: high intense situations, mm-hmm. it's like there's a sort of bonding there is. That, that exists there that doesn't exist in dating. Absolutely. You know, it's a whole other thing. You know, your adrenaline is up. you just everything is heightened, and you. I've, I've read studies of things like this. They had like a bridge. It was like a really high, like sky bridge, right? Mm-hmm. And they have people that are crossing it, and the bridge is swaying, right? and they'll have a woman that will kind of meet them halfway coming from the other direction mm-hmm. as they're crossing and have just kind of an interaction like brief conversation whatever it is right
0: yeah
2: and then the when they get to the other side the the level of attraction that these people express for that woman is generally higher than mm-hmm. people who don't have that same interaction with her interesting you know It doesn't mean that she's unattractive. It's just that in that moment, you're in a shared environment, everything is heightened, you know, and it's like you perceive things a little differently. Yeah. Um, And so there's a whole psychological component that happens there. So I understand why those things happen. Mm -hmm. Doesn't always make it a good idea. Right. Um, Because when you step away from that, then you realize that that isn't necessarily the the person that you thought that they were or that they may not be that at all times or in, yeah. in all ways yeah. you know what i mean
3: absolutely i you actually know? definitely know what you mean cuz i somewhat experienced the same thing
2: mm-hmm.
3: um it's it's bound to happen where you have some sort of psychological um connection with somebody when you're in those types of situations mm-hmm. you know what i mean and i had this was when was this last year like at the beginning or no this year at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. Um, and this is why Tony is so great because I can literally go home and tell him like, Hey, I have started developing feelings for this person that I work for. Mm -hmm. And it's clearly not, um, what's the word? Like valid, you know, genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I just like, I need to process this out with you. I need to figure out like, am I missing, are we missing something? Do we need to work on something, some sort of area, like,
0: mm-hmm.
3: um, area in our marriage? Um, I know there was a, there was a time where it was kind of a time where things were a little stressful, um, as far as like, um, his job. And I think I was going home and I was kind of just, um, we weren't having like the fun conversations that we usually did and that sort of thing. And I go to work and I would experience I was riding two men with a really good friend of mine and he's a good guy. And he never acted on anything because mm-hmm. he also had feelings for me as well. Um, but eventually I was like, okay, this is not healthy and I have a husband at home that is an amazing man. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out what's going on internally and why this is happening. Right. Um and it's something that I've talked to several people about because I think like it's natural for that sort of thing to happen mm-hmm. if maybe things aren't quite where they need to be in the marriage at home. And if you're experiencing other um, like you said, these hormonal uh what are they called? Like the dopamine hits that, yeah. you know, at when you're at work with different people, mm-hmm. right? Um
2: because you're having a shared experience.
3: Yeah. So I know I know it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't fault people for experiencing that right? because it happens to the best of us. My Mm -hmm. husband and I have been married for, like I said, 10 years almost, and we've gone through a hell of a lot of shit. Right. And we're at the point where we're like so absolutely on the same page together where I can go home and I can tell him this and he won't get pissed off. Mm -hmm. He was so happy that I came home and told him. Um, and we, we talked through it. We had an entire night where we just sat there and we talked and we figured it all out. And, and lo and behold, those feelings just kind of went away. Yeah. Like, you know, so it was, it's just one of those things where I don't fault people for having those feelings.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, it's the discipline to not act on them, you know, to, because like people joke about it all the time at my job. Like, you're not a real cop unless you're divorced.
0: It's, okay. it's terrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right.
3: And, and I'm not saying I disagree with divorce. I'm, I'm just simply saying like, uh, there's a lot of psychological bullshit that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. And if you're a police officer
0: yeah,
3: on top of that, like no wonder people are, no wonder you see police officers like killing themselves, you know, right? and going through some shit. Mm -hmm. Um, or just getting into, you know, you see police officers all the time getting arrested for some stuff that you're like, whoa, Mm -hmm. how did you go down that road? Right. So I have like, just back to the, I don't remember how I got off on that tangent, but mainly I have a really good support system at home. So if you ask about PTSD and, or do I experience different things? Uh, I certainly have images in my head that you Mm -hmm. can't get rid of. Right. But I have a good support system. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: So I can talk about them.
2: There you go. Um, Yeah. I think that having community and support structure is what saves most people from those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Suicide, you know, just being depressed, you know, making bad decisions, you know, like any of those things. When we're alone and we're feeling vulnerable, that's when we that's where we find it easiest to make the wrong decisions.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I think that's something that people need to be on guard for and understand that, yes, you are in this space. Don't let yourself stay there. You know, we all have bad days. We all have depression. We all have whatever that we go through. Right. It's when we get locked into that. I think that's when we start to make mistakes. That's when people start to go down the path of doing something they know they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've heard about DOC, uh, officers they get involved with inmates Mm -hmm. you know things like that it's like which completely mystifies me because it's like okay uh you you're here all day every day you know what these people are about you know who they are you know why they're here you know and yet you're setting all of that aside because you feel like you're attracted to them for one reason or another it's Mm -hmm. like that i don't understand it's like it's not like you know, the situation that you just said, you know, you're in a shared environment, you're working together, you know, this is somebody that you have this experience with. I can, that, that attraction makes more sense to me than looking at somebody, you know, is the bad guy, you know, in every way. And you can even go and read everything this person has ever done about why they're here and who they are, you know, and you still make that decision. That Mm -hmm. that's, I don't, I don't get that, but you know.
3: Yeah. That's a a whole other that, conversation of how like yeah the human psyche is that like, to
2: me it just it seems like then there's like something in your life that's terribly missing i mean like
3: mm-hmm.
2: like just this huge void that you're not able or willing to fill and so you're trying to fill it with this which is obviously the wrong answer
3: yeah and um, i think the key word there is willing yeah right because like talk about non-victim nation right it's um mm-hmm people could change so much you know a lot of people like just blame things on their genetics and whatever else and i'm like no right no it's it's you what are you willing to do Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) you know um what you know i see in the dating world these days like people complaining about the opposite sex and this and that i'm like and they want this and they want that and they want this they have all these things and i'm like well look at you right what makes you think you could attract that (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, you're a piece of shit. Right. But Anyways, it's just one example of, like,
2: um. Well, it's sort of like saying, I want this really high-paying corporate job, but I didn't graduate from high school. It's like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
2: didn't do the work. You know, what makes you think you're qualified for that? Mm -hmm. You know, and I guess relationships are kind of the same way. It's like, if if you're not the sort of person that that you would want to date, then what makes you think you're going to find that person? Yeah you know,
3: it blows my mind.
2: I, I don't understand that either, but
3: yeah, I'm so glad uh, I'm not in the dating world today. Yeah. Like all the apps. it's so weird.
2: Uh, I am, but that's also why I've been single for so long. It's like, <laughs> good it's just, luck, buddy. I don't, <laughs> just I don't just the patience for me. I really don't. Yeah. Um,
3: I'm sure it's not the
2: easiest. Yeah. I think that the, you know, as far as like relationships and things like that, divorces forces and, and whatnot, I think that there's unfortunately an incentive structure for People to get divorced, especially like women, if they have, if they are going to get uh, not alimony—that's not the right word, or is it? They're going to they're going to get half of whatever they got in out of the divorce. They're going to get something from that. Um, if they have kids, they're going to get child support. There's like, I don't want to say that that's why they do it, but they are incentivized in some way that direction. Which I don't think is a good thing. That that makes it easier for them to make a decision. That if the if that wasn't there, then maybe they would give it a little bit more effort and try and harder to like make things work. Yeah. Okay.
3: Um, I mean, I guess I never really thought about it that way. I I'm sure that definitely has something to do with you know, deciding making that decision, like, you know, because if you think about it, like the women, like the way a woman's um, designed is we we are we are the the sex that is able to have children, right? Mm-hmm. And our one of the biggest things that we consider when finding a mate is that, that stability, mm-hmm. financial stability, because we wanna know number one are you competent? And number two, will you be able to take care of my children? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Support me and my children. So it makes sense that that would be some sort of incentive if they have Mm -hmm. that support to be able to, you know, wash their hands of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. I just, I think that the the fatherless nation this is what you called it mm-hmm. is one of the biggest problems that we have. Um, the fact that we're moving further and further away from a traditional sort of family, you have a mother, you have a father, you have children, you know, moving away from religion, moving away from anything that resembles all of the things that forever have held us together as community and as a people. All of those things are being fractured slowly over time Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and
2: it makes it easier for us to be divided. It makes it easier for the government to do exactly what they're doing, which is become a totalitarian, you know, we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I try not to talk too much about politics because I want this to be more about like the the people and things like that. Yeah, for sure. But sometimes it's, it's
3: like, it's something we see every day. Right. You know, and, um, it really makes you think, Mm -hmm. uh, how can I, how can I be better? How can I avoid these types of things? Because,
2: well, I think part of it is that like, as much as I want people to not be a victim of poor decisions, you know, being, uh, uh, situationally unaware, you know, making better decisions about like what they do with their lives and that sort of thing, you know, being prepared. Those, those are all good things, right? There are so many other things that you can't just turn a blind eye to. You can't just choose to ignore that things are happening right in front of us and nobody's really doing much about it. You know, there was a time where, yeah, the politicians were crooked, but you mostly like, that was kind of like behind closed doors kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's just out in the open, you know, it's like the, the sheer number of politicians that have become multimillionaires, you know, in, in, during the time that they've been in office when they started off with nothing. It's like, that's incredible. It's like, how does that happen? How is it that these people are making their outperforming the best stock market people in the world? You know, I'm just
3: waiting for that Jeffrey Epstein list to come out. Yeah. should be interesting.
2: I'd be very curious about it. I'd be amazed that if they even release it, you know,
3: keep talking about it. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, now would be the time, maybe, maybe not, depending on, you know. Depending on who's on the list. Who's on the list. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So,
3: it almost makes you wonder who's not on the list, who people are right. saying is on the list. I'm like, I feel like it would have been released by now if that was right. the case. Anyways, anyways, yeah. tangent. <laughs> Sorry.
2: That's okay. Um when Dan uh is in here with me and, and this is what we spend the whole time talking about is conspiracies. <laughs> just like all the crazy things that that are happening and that could be happening.
3: Yeah. You know, so I it's funny. I when I was in college, I used to watch the news religiously and I got stupid like anxiety and like all this stuff because I was just I had all this information and all these conspiracy theories. And I almost went from one extreme to the other. Like I never watch the news now. Right. Like I, 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 I go to work, I do my yeah. job, and sometimes I'll pick up things different here and there, here and there from, like obviously, like social media and whatever. And <laughs> or if I like look it up. Right. But I'm just like, I'm just gonna do my thing and go home and be happy. Right. Because, like, that was just a bit much for my. Granted, I'm not as. Anxious as I used to be mm-hmm. um, I've definitely changed in well, you know my husband he does yes. the neurology stuff right so i i'm um i he's my i'm his little guinea pig you know i re- right. that, for people listening my husband he does um he's like functional neurology, so mm-hmm. he does different drills that target different areas in your brain to basically um make your brain be less under threat mm-hmm. and function. So everything functions properly. Right. So I was an emotional wreck when we first got married.
2: Oh, really?
0: Oh,
3: yeah. yeah. Uh. Your typical, um, yeah, your typical white female that was just, I'm mm-hmm. probably pissing people off by saying that. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, I had no clue. Um. Anyway, so he was obviously very helpful
2: with mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So like on that point, how did you kind of get started with that? Like what sort of things did he present to you initially?
3: With his neurology? System. Yeah. So I had, so when we first got married, well, before we got married, I was on birth control for several years mm-hmm. and then I was on the depot and that's the one that really will screw you up, which mm-hmm. it's a, like, you don't have a period at all. Okay. And when we got married, I was like, I was like, oh, I'm just going to get off this. Cause I feel like it's going to mess up my reproductive system. Like all mm-hmm. of a sudden was like, this is probably not good for me. Right. And so I got off that. Ugh. And when doing so, my, my hormonal, I had so many hormonal imbalances. Like it took me, it took my body a year to uh, re-regulate and I'm sorry, this is probably TMI oh. for you, but like you, <laughs> whatever. Um, So I, it took a long time for my body to regulate. And then in that I had developed, um, which I never got diagnosed with it because I didn't know what it was. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: Um, but after reading several different studies and articles about it, I was like, Oh, definitely had endometriosis, which is, um, like the, the light, it's like the lining of your uterus and all this stuff. It's all messed up. Mm -hmm. So it's extremely painful, and you're just, it's like you're in constant pain, like in your uterus and like during different things, you know, events. Um, very, very uncomfortable. And it's due to hormonal imbalances, right? Mm-hmm. So Tony, he starts doing his neurology stuff and studying this stuff. And, and then he comes up to me. And I had been dealing with this for several years uh-huh. um, into our marriage. So he co- he, he's like, hey, I want to try this this drill. Like okay, <laughs> he's like, look at this target and move your head back and forth, right, th- right, like this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You
3: know, what the hell is this gonna do? But I trust him, right? So okay. I do this drill. It's it's called the. I'm probably gonna screw this up because it's a VOR, which is stands for vestibular oc- ocular reflex. I think. Okay. Apparently, um, this triggers something with your eyes. Well, okay, so your eyes are like 70 to 80% of what your brain is taking in, right? Your vision. And if your eyes are fucked up, then it it messes other things up in your entire body. Right. Well, this specific drill apparently triggers um or it lives um close to your insula, which is your gut system. Okay. So, which is where your you know endometri- endometriosis lives. So um I did this drill for maybe a couple of two or three times a day for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And it was gone. Nice. I was like, what the fuck did it's you just do? You this is some magical shit. Right. <laughs> so like ever since then. I was like, "Hey, baby, I got this problem." He's like, "What? What you got? Like, like I'll fix you." Like, I was literally his guinea pig for years, and now he's like mastered this neurology stuff. He's right. so smart. I I don't know what his like his IQ level is, uh-huh. but I'd be really curious to like test it because right. I swear to God, that man is so smart. Anyways, so um, yeah, that was probably the first the first experience that i had with that. nice and now i do like all his neurology drills that he has for um like sympathetics and like helping your heart rate and all this stuff and helping like um regulate those things mm-hmm. i i use that in police work a lot oh, nice yeah a lot um super helpful like different breathing drills different um like sensory type drills that you can do and then vision drills as well yeah, um, super helpful
2: i uh follow him on instagram so i see like the little things that he puts out here and there mm-hmm. and i'll do them like right when i'm watching it but i'm really bad about like keeping it in mind to practice mm-hmm. it when i'm not watching it mm-hmm. so i need to get better about that like make that a more uh an active part of like a day or the week that yeah you know, so that i can be more consistent about it because you're right i mean like just the results of that and I've i've heard it from other people and seen it it's like pretty amazing it's bizarre yeah
3: it's so bizarre i still am amazed every single right. time i use the drill and i'm like oh that worked
2: yeah. yeah so as far as like bodily processes and things like that none of that is sits poorly with me i uh went to school to be a personal trainer and okay. massage therapist mm-hmm. so i spent two years learning kind of all the same stuff that a first year medical student learns mm-hmm. all about the body and like all the yeah. processes and things like that i was really fortunate that when i was going through uh one of the professors that i had was a uh a naturopath, yeah, and so his approach to everything was considerably different. Mm-hmm. He started us from chemistry the i mean the smallest point possible, and moved all the way up into all the systems and how they interact and and all the different uh why they're important you know mm-hmm. and how they get damaged, and you know all the different things and so I'm always sort of like thinking about those things you know when I'm thinking about my own health, like when mm-hmm. I have problems like you know, I damaged, I had like a torn Achilles tendon mm-hmm. or a tear in the Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. And so like during the recovery, I'm thinking about, you know, recreating balance in the body and how I need to do this and do that. And kind of, you know, so when people say, you know, that they have this or that going on, it's like, none of that is too much information for me. I just think yeah. it's interesting, yeah. you know? So that's just body
3: my body is an amazing thing.
2: It really is. And yeah. so like to talk to Tony, it's like, even though I don't understand nearly on the same level that he does. Yeah. I at least understand like the biological components, right? You know, and and the interactions that they have It's like that it totally makes sense. I would never have fucking figured that out, yeah. You know, but it when I hear it, it's like that makes perfect sense. I get, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's,
3: it's pretty so, cool yeah. stuff.
2: That's
3: mm-hmm. I, you know, we've been married ten years, and I'm still I'm still so impressed with him. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So
2: anyways. Um. There was something else I was gonna ask you, and I can't remember what it was because we went off a tangent. Uh I guess kind of going back to like the career thing, like if you thought kind of further along, if you wanted to move on from say the just the regular department, are there other fields you think that you would go into?
3: Yeah. Um I definitely am interested in testing for we have our street crimes unit, mm-hmm. which um they don't really fall under spec ops. They're technically still in patrol, but they have like different um, things that they, it's just like a team. They, you know, they're primarily UC um, undercover. So they just do a bunch of different ops. Like if you have, I've done some ride alongs with them before
0: mm-hmm. where
3: I've taken different cases to them, you know, like, Hey, like it's a case where I can't do cause I'm on patrol um, and I'm in my black and whites, you know, and I'm, in my uniform. Right. Um, um, you know, maybe it's like executing a search warrant or something like that. And, you know, I got, my case that I did was I had stopped this guy had a bunch of drugs on them. And I was like, Hey man, who's your guy? You know, the classic, like right. maybe I'll help you out. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> <laughs> with the charges, you know, because I want the bigger guy. Right. Um, so,, uh, you know, I did my whole investigation. I found out who who his dealer was, and um, this was my first time like ever doing anything like this. I was so proud. Um, and come so I end up getting to the, you know, my investigation, and I'm like, well, I kind of need help with this because I can't necessarily execute this without like, you know, some sort of ruse or yeah. whatever so i get i take it to the street crimes unit and they'll help you with cases like that so they'll help patrol with cases like mm-hmm. you know going to get the bad guy like hey we're trying to find this guy for this case or whatever it's mm-hmm. okay they've got all the uc v- vehicles and stuff like that And they do a lot of um, stolen vehicle cases and they have the flock system which is connected directly to if they get a, a hit for a stolen vehicle mm-hmm. they go hunt them down um so and they do like a lot of other things they take like bigger cases that you can investigate and then like go get your bad guy um but a lot of it's like you see you know so sometimes they'll have patrol help them out whatever but uh so i would like to test for that Mm -hmm. and i also um maybe want to test for gangs uh, which okay. should be interesting yeah. because there's not a lot of females on gangs, but mm-hmm. it's definitely something that I'm interested in because I've had a lot of my cases that are, are gang related. Like the one that I told you about earlier with the vehicle mm-hmm. pursuit and the kids like shooting off, Right, they're all gang related and the gangs these days are so different than what they used to be. Okay. So like, like you, you have all these ju juvies popping up with these like, random gangs and then they'll they'll have a game one day and then then it's just they change it so that
1: mm-hmm.
3: and they don't um they don't necessarily like flaunt it like they used to. You know like back in the day you you see a guy on the street and they, you still see him, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. You still see the guy and they're the guys with their red bandanas in their pockets and stuff like that.
2: Right.
3: Well, these newer generation of gangs, they're they don't stick to races. They don't mm-hmm. stick to colors. They don't have like these quote-unquote um, boxes that we would check to be mm-hmm. able to um, identify them as a gang member. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of just all over the place and doing a bunch of stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you still have your classic gangbangers that, you know, that are coming off the res or they're, you know, Southside Mesa or you know, Mexican Mafia or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you still have those guys too. But um, a lot of these newer ones that I deal with a lot mm-hmm. are the Juvies. And so I would be interested in doing, I did a, I did a gangs ride along um, and that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They went after a really bad guy on the reservation. Okay. Um, who... Let's see. I'm trying to remember. We had a couple of different ones that we were doing, but um, it was just cool to see. Like, Mm -hmm. they they definitely have, like, really fun tactics. Like, they just flashbang the hell out of this guy when he was going to check his mailbox. Wow. (laughs) Like, we were watching him. Mm-hmm. We were watching him for like the longest time. We we're just waiting to see if, or well, he, we were watching this house that he was supposedly known to be in.
0: Mm-hmm. It
3: wasn't his house, I think it was like his a relative. And we were watching it for hours. So, a lot of the time, you're just sitting there and you're waiting. You're like, oh, son of a bitch, I have to pee. And like, <laughs> I, it's different. Maybe I need to invest in a shiwi. I don't fucking know. <laughs> but <laughs> so, if I do end up getting on right. one of those uh, units, mm-hmm. but uh. Like, dudes, you guys can just piss in a bottle. It's not that yeah. easy for us. It's, it sucks. It's a little
2: more complicated. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more
3: complicated. But anyway, so we're watching this guy and her, the house, and finally he pops out and he comes out with his dog and he goes to check the mail. Like, itty bitty little dog. And this dude's a big dude. He's tatted right. all up and they roll up on him and just fucking flashbang the shit out of <laughs> him. It scared the shit out of him. It was awesome. Like, right. Damn it, I want to do this. Right. Like, every day. Uh so I think that would be super fun. Um and then maybe one day promote to sergeant, you know. Right. Um uh I do and definitely interested in the heat unit as well. I've done a lot of ops with them, mm-hmm. the human exploitation and trafficking. Right. Um so I believe it or not, I know I'm almost 32 years old. I posed as a 15-year-old girl and wow. got some got some bad dudes put in jail. So, that was fun. Yeah. Um. Yeah, luckily, Snapchat is a thing. So, you can just, you know, the filters really help.
2: Right. <laughs> and
3: then they get there, and they're like, they kind of look at you. Like, oh, you're still pretty. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. Yeah.
2: Psych. Yeah.
3: So. Uh-oh. I had a lot of fun with those ones. Definitely. I did a a couple of like the regular prostitution ones. That's like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, you know, they're just lined up, but anyways, so oh, there's a ton of different things I can do. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll just see kind of how it goes.
2: (laughs) Uh, do you feel like if you promote that you'll have more or less opportunities for, for For, for those sorts of things?
3: Well, it's kind of similar in the sense of like, if you promote, like you can still go to those, those mm-hmm. different units, right. Mm-hmm. Cause they have sergeants and lieutenants and commanders and everything right. too. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to promote very fast though.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, I'm only three years on and I've seen people that promoted after being a few years on and. Mm-hmm. And they're the people that are now like lieutenants that have no idea what's right. actually happening on the streets. And they'll they'll watch a use of force video and make some stupid comment about it. And it's like, Do you actually know what happened? Right. Or are you just afraid of how this is gonna look? Like mm-hmm. they're so far disconnected. Yeah. Um, because they only spent two years on and then they promoted and or had some admin job and
0: mm-hmm.
3: totally lost touch with what's actually happening on the streets, right. which you can't, like you can't necessarily blame them for cause they just don't have that experience. Mm-hmm. So that's the last thing that I want to do. Like I yeah. definitely want to have my experiences, you know, if I was to promote, it wouldn't be right. n- not anytime soon.
2: So this is just my observation, even though I don't know you that well. Yeah. Um, you're incredibly intelligent. Thank you. you you're very driven. You you do have a much more grounded perspective of what it means to be, to really be trained for self-defense. Um, and your situational awareness, even before you started, just like you said, was probably higher than average. You You were still paying attention to things yeah. that a lot of people just would just kind of let go, you know. Because of those things, I think that you're exceedingly qualified to promote and move up. And you're not. I don't believe that you would be like those other people. I think that they were not. They don't have a lot of those qualities when they promote.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So it isn't necessarily the the active on the ground training that they that they're missing. I think that they're missing all the other aspects, and that's kind of how they get to that point too. That's true. You know.
3: Yeah, that makes sense.
2: And I say that because I I see that in DOC too. There's there's people mm-hmm. that promote because they can, not because they should or because they right. they. You know, feel like they're going to do better, you know, or be a uh, benefit to the department. It's just because they just feel like they want to go up, mm-hmm. right? I've met people that are like supervisors, sergeants, lieutenants, and it's like, how the hell did you get this job? You know, it's like, yeah. I know more than you do. Yeah. You know, or not really. I shouldn't say that. It's, but it's but just, maybe. you know, it's just like you're such a goofy person. It's like, oh, I, and I don't mean that in a good way. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, I wouldn't ask you for anything, you know, yeah. let alone whatever. And yet here you are, you're
0: yeah. in
2: this position, you know. So it's just one of those things. Like I said, that's just my observation. I think I appreciate that. that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that you would do really well with that. And I think that you would be a benefit to the department because of that, you know. That. And like you're saying, that doesn't preclude you from having those experiences and still mm-hmm. doing the groundwork. You could still do that and kind of help move that direction also. But, yeah, like I said, my advice is you should promote. Thank you. Yeah.
3: So I will eventually. I'm still having too much fun.
2: Right. Yeah. There you go.
3: Yeah. I mean, I guess sergeants can go out and chase bad guys too, but mm. uh, typically they're stuck in an office doing admin. Yeah. So, and, uh,
2: yeah.
3: I want to get into more spice than I right. before I go that route. <laughs> there you go.
2: <laughs> You're not done door, door kicking it. Oh. <laughs> nice. Yes. I've I've heard that's true in the military um, too, that like the people that probably should promote generally are the ones that they're happy fighting on the ground. They're the ones kicking in the doors and they're happy doing that and they don't want to give that up, you know? So what ends yeah. up happening is then all the people that shouldn't be, you know, again, that same idea, yeah. that shouldn't be promoting are the ones that are like, that are era. doing it, you know, they're playing the po- politics game and they're doing whatever they need mm-hmm. to do to move up the ranks. And these are the people that should never be in those they would
3: prefer to positions. have a desk job and- yeah. Not be well, they just, they
2: just want the authority, they just want the, the, the titles and whatever else. It's like, you know, it's like you're the last person that should be in that, that position, yeah. you know. Um,
3: it's definitely a pattern though, and it's one of those things where there's only so many people available, and right, they're like trying to fill positions, yeah. So, they have sometimes they end up taking what they have, and um, not everybody is of the same. Mindset you
2: know of, so you're... I came up with this i it's not my idea, but it's something that I think is would be healthy for this country mm-hmm. if everybody had to do two years of service, and that doesn't mean military service, but if they had to do some civil service, right, they had to be police, they had to be doc they had to be some kind of first responder, mm-hmm. they had to do something to help the community mm-hmm. for at least two years, you know, ideally joining the military because I think that gives them an extraordinary background. To come and do anything else, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that without that experience and without without I guess skin in the game is a good way to put it, you know, people don't value what they have. Mm-hmm. Um it would give them so much more perspective about what's actually happening mm-hmm. around them, yeah. you know, so that they're not so quick to say, well, you know, nobody should have guns, and you know the world is going to be a perfect utopia if we just do this, and and you know, all these other things. Like, yeah, it, it's just yeah. Like things would be much better if everybody had at least two years of experience doing something.
3: I I would agree somewhat with that. Yeah, I think that. I thought I put that on. Mm-hmm. Do not disturb. Sorry. Um, Yes. If it's some sort of service, police, maybe not necessarily just police, but yeah, if you're saying like other, some yeah. sort of first responder. Yeah.
2: Paramedics, medic, firefighters, firefighter, you know, you something know, like that. Yeah. Something.
3: Um, probably would do a whole lot of people so good. Yes. It's, very, it's a very humbling job. Right. Um, You know, I, and, you know, I talk about training and all this stuff. From a female perspective in in police, I, I see, um, I don't want to put this, it'd be interesting to see that go, how that would go. Right. Just how, just be based on, like, I like the idea of it. Um, I definitely do because I think that people need need those experiences because they, first of all, people are just oblivious to the world yeah uh, it's not that they i i don't i don't necessarily think it's that it's that they don't value certain things i mean I guess that leads to that but they're completely just in their own bubbles mm-hmm. and like you know everybody's what's in it for me mindset which i totally get right um it would be it would definitely be interesting to see that play out mm-hmm. for sure yeah and i i kind of think like like, being a, being a female in, in this career, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely interesting. Um, and I see other females. Like I was just watching Donut. I think I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I was watching Donut Operator the other day, and I was so disappointed because he was like, well, here's another female officer doing some dumb shit. I'm like, God oh, damn it dude like and it sucks because i see it too right. on a daily like day to day basis and i'm like certain people just shouldn't be doing certain things uh-huh. and i'm not saying like you know there's some badass women in my department right like my sergeant last year that i worked under she she was a fucking badass like she was on street crimes for several years um the sergeant for street crimes at the time. He's hilarious. He's a good dude. But he had this whole entire, like, bowl full of beanbags. And they were all, the beanbag like, the shotgun beanbag, it's the less lethal, um, um, one of the less less lethal options that we have. They were all her beanbag rounds that she just fucked people up with. (laughs) And he kept them all. But she just was like, like, no, they will not get an inch, like, Like she had, she was so quick to react and she was, she's fucking smart. Mm -hmm. And, and she was a great Sergeant because she was always putting us through trainings. Like, like, how can we be better? Briefing, debriefing calls, you know, she was great. Mm -hmm. She's what I aspire to be in the department. And so there are definitely women in this career that belong here. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and then, I, and the, and there's also women that I'm just like, I don't know. What are you doing here? Right. <laughs> like, why are you here? Like, don't get me wrong. Women are really fantastic at de-escalation and doing certain things. Right. But I am a huge proponent of, like, I'm a huge believer of you have to be able to have violence to to back up what you're doing. Right. Because if somebody sniffs weakness on you, they'll fuck you up. Mm-hmm. And, and I have had experiences where, like... I talked to, I had a call where I had, it was, it was kind of like, it felt like an ambush. It was, this call came in, it was a welfare check for grandma, mm-hmm. no details, nothing. And it said it was at this certain address. And I get there and I show up, I'm by myself. I don't have a, my 906 isn't there, 906 is back up. They're not there yet. And there's this lady sitting in this car and I'm walking up to the house to where I'm supposed to do this welfare check at and there's this lady sitting in the car and she's like hey and I'm like hi who are you and she's like it's not this house it's that house over there and I'm like what are you talking about she's like it's not that house go to that house and I was like do you have a different emergency because I'm here for a call here she's like no I called go to that house and I'm like well what's going on like my fuck, my hairs are fucking going up this yeah. is weird right and um, she's like, you just have to check on my grandma. She's in there. You just have to check on her. She won't tell me anything. Okay. I'm like, well, why do I need to check on her? She won't. She's like, just go check on her. She won't tell. I'm like, gosh. Okay. So I <laughs> tell my dispatch, hey, I'm actually going to this address. So I get there and grandma's poking, poking, like poking her head out the door. She like won't come out and talk to me. And I'm like, hey, like, why am I here? Like, what's going on?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And she is all over the place. She won't talk to me. And then there's another guy that's like in the house. She won't come out. There's another guy that's in the house and he kind of comes, he kind of comes to the door and I'm like, Hey, can you tell me what's going on? And He's like, oh, um, well you just, they're just like, you just gotta get, you just gotta get him out. Like he's here. You guys got to take him. I'm Like take who? Who are you taking? Uh-huh. And all of a sudden I look down like the, like front door. Um, there's like the living room and then there's a hallway to the back of the house, like to the left. And I can see in the house and all of a sudden I see this big motherfucker come out. He's all tatted up like gangbanger dude. Mm -hmm. Not a good guy. He pops out. He sees me. He freaks out. He freaks the fuck out. And I'm like, you guys have to tell me what's going on like now. Who is that guy? Why am I here? Is anybody injured? What's happening? And they and finally they're like, he has a he has a warrant. So I'm like, all right, cool. What's his name? Meanwhile, like, finally my backup shows up. She's like, hey, we need more backup. It's just me and this other female officer. She's real small. Okay. And uh, finally they they give me his name and I run him. And he's got a $10,000 warrant for uh, sexual assault. Um, Wow. And uh, something else. I can't remember. Like a very violent, yeah, bad dude. So I'm like, all right, shit. <laughs> Thanks for the information. Because right. this would have gone totally different if you guys would have just told me this up front. Right. Like, I wouldn't have walked up to your door. Yeah. First of all, we have different tactics that we would have done.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: like, set up a perimeter and whatever else. But, like, so, whatever. We're already in the thick of it. And I ended up, like, hawking this dude out with a fucking cheeseburger and a cigarette. I, I talked his ass into cuffs. I shit you not. And I got so much shit for this because some dudes showed up to back me up that yeah. he did not. It, this was a very long process. Right. Like 50 minutes of me talking to this guy and de-escalating him. Mm-hmm. Grandma would not leave his side. She was like clinging to him. So I'm like, "Son of a bitch, like if something happens, she's going to get hurt." Yeah. It was a whole thing. It took me about 30 minutes to get him from that back hallway just to the to, to the doorway just talking to him Mm -hmm. and his brother comes and he's like, Hey, I got cheeseburgers. I'm like, Hey dude, come out here and have a cheeseburger. Like come just sit down. I was, I was like, you know why we're here? Like you obviously are, you have to go with, you have to come with us. But like, I'm not going to just, He's like, well, I don't like, every time I deal with police, I always get, they always fucking attack me and this and this and that. Like, well, that's not going to happen if you're not stupid. So finally get him out to this to the doorway and our dude backup officers show up and he freaked out. He was like, no, I don't deal with men. Like I don't, I don't do guys. And he like took off back into the house. So he keeps popping in the house and I'm like, I don't know if he has got guns back there. I don't know what he's got back there. He's a bad dude. He's got, he's tatted up like Mexican mafia, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so finally I talk him back out. I told the dudes like, Hey, just hang out back on the driveway. They yeah. did not like that. Uh, we talked about it later, but I was like, Hey, just hang out on the driveway. Like mm-hmm. if, if I need your help, just fucking come help me. But just for now, hang out over there. So we talk him back out, sit him down in this chair and he's clenching this cheeseburger, like just fucking mm-hmm. clenching this shit out of him. and his jaw. He's like, and his nostrils, man. I swear I see flames coming out and I'm like, Hey man, like, I see you fucking clenching your jaw right now, and that cheeseburger is is not going to be edible here in a second. Like, you need to chill out. Like, I take that as signs of aggression.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And which means like somebody's going to get hurt. So don't stop. Just stop thinking about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I see what you're doing. You're going to like try and run right now or fight or do something stupid. Don't fucking do it because you're going to get hurt and your grandma's going to get hurt because she's clinging on to you for dear life. Right. But she doesn't want him to get shot. Right. So she's refusing to leave his side. And anytime I inched towards her to try and pull her away, he would freak out. It was really weird. So finally I talked him down. I'm like, he's like, If I go with you guys, can can you give me a cigarette first? I was like, How about this? You let me put cuffs on you, I will get you I will personally put the cigarette in your mouth and I will let you smoke your cigarette. So sure enough, I just talked him into cuffs and we put him into cuffs, and of course I made the rookie the cigarette thing Mm -hmm. because i didn't want to do it but he got his cigarette (laughs) nice um i got so much shit for that call and it's because all the dudes are like we just fucked him up and i'm like oh okay well have that option right um and at the same time i know i'm capable Uh which is why i think he was so cooperative with me Mm -hmm and and I talked to those officers because they gave us so much shit and started talking a bunch of shit behind our backs and I went up to him and I said, "Hey, like you want to ask me a question? Ask me a question. This is all what happened before you guys got there mm-hmm. and this is why I did what I did." And they're like, "Oh, like my bad. Like I didn't know all that stuff." Right. And I'm like, "Yeah, like it's cool. Don't worry about it. I'm not offended if you're going to talk shit. I get it. You guys want to you guys want to kick ass. That's fine." Right. I'm built a little differently. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm not apt to just getting into fights with people. Mm-hmm. I'll use my feminine abilities right. to de-escalate the situation. And I'm not saying men, men don't have that either. There's a lot of dudes in the department that are really fucking good at that. Um but anyways, so like there is a place for women
2: oh, yeah, in definitely. the
3: department. For sure. Um
2: it's a simple fact that men react differently with women than they do with men. Yeah. Because first of all, when a man comes against another man, there's an instantly testosterone that kicks oh. in. It's like, it's like you chicken. know, it's like fighting you know, Yeah, It's like, you know, they're, they're, their their the first instinct is fight. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that's the way we're wired, right? When, when it's a female, that part is already removed. Yeah. They're not instantly yeah. thinking about, I'm going, you know, can I fuck this person up? Mm-hmm. They kind of already assume one way or the other, they can or they can't, mm-hmm. right? So you're removing that from the equation. So now we're just talking, you know, And I see that in the department too, like if there's a female officer that, that deals with somebody the way that, and it isn't necessarily that they approach the inmate differently. It's just the way that the inmates respond to them, you know? So for instance, like when we go to, uh, like go take somebody to the hospital, they have some medical thing, whatever we have to go with them. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I'm in that room with, with the inmate, he can be an asshole or he can do whatever he's going to do because he's he's testing me or, or, you know, he's testing to see what he can get away with. Right. Yes. If there's a female officer there, he doesn't do that. You know, he, he just sort of acts differently. It's like his mom stepped into the room all of a sudden his, his demeanor mm-hmm. changes in the way that he responds to her, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know,
2: she'll say the exact same thing that I would have said, but he'll take it completely differently, you know? Um, and it's, it's just, it is what it is, you know, Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, um, maybe because i'm older my first inclination is not to fight with anybody you know it's not that i can't fight but i just don't want to you know yeah. and i see so many younger guys that are like in their 20s you know it's like they want to get in there and they want to fuck people up it's like fuck's sake man just relax <laughs> <laughs> fun. it's fun yeah i mean if it comes to that if it comes that, to that yeah we'll, but like we'll... i don't just go there right yeah it's the first option right? no. that's like we'll, we'll get there you know, how about we see, just like you, it's like, we're going to talk to this guy and see if we can just get him to do what we need to do,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know? And I've had really good success just because I, I build good rapport with the inmates and, you know, I'm pretty good at like saying, you know, I understand you don't want to do this, but this is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, we got to do this. Yeah. So let's just go, you know? And most of the time that works.
3: Most of the time it works. Correct. You know, I I will say I've been pretty like, um, so it was funny when I first started I'm like. I was on FTO, which is, I was an OIT officer in training. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And we had a guy that, um, Native American guy, always drunk, always causing problems for PD. He was one of our regulars. So I've never met him. I'm on OIT and we get a call for service for this guy. And my, my FTO, he's like, it's going to be awesome. Like this guy always fights PD, like put your gloves on. I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) Like, let's go. right? Right. And we get to the we get we get there and um there's probably like four officers there. They're like they don't go there without a minimum of four officers because this okay. guy's he's he's small, but he's he's like feisty. Okay. So they're all walking up to this trailer, walking up the stairs, and he he sees them and he's fucking pissed and he starts yelling and screaming, and then he sees me and he goes and he totally chills out. He starts hitting on me. Right. And like he doesn't fight us. Yeah. He just he just starts hitting on me the whole time and nothing happens. Right. And I'm expecting to like get into some balls out fight. Right. right. And so we like, okay, this is disorderly conduct. We send him on his way to separate him from his brother because they were fighting. It was a verbal argument. Uh-huh. So 20, 20 minutes later. So he takes off walking. 20 minutes later, we get a phone call like, hey, weren't you guys just out with this guy? Like, Yeah. Well he just fucking picked a fight with the uh, with the gang unit because they were on a call and they were on a call with another gangbanger. He just walks up to them and picks up picks a fight with them. And they put his face into the ground and like break I don't know if they broke a bone in his orbital orbital bone or something. He just wanted to fight, but he wouldn't fight me.
0: <laughs>
3: and I, I had so many of these experiences where I'm like, Oh yeah, this guy's gonna fight. Yeah, this guy's gonna fight. Nope. Nope, don't fight. But I've had a few occasional ones that, yeah, they uh, they get stupid, and luckily I have some skills to back it up. Right.
2: So you practice jujitsu also, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there you go.
3: I'm a four stripe white belt. Nice. So, uh, I'm almost to the blue belt, but hey, it's better than nothing. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, it definitely is.
3: And I I swear I can I can tell like when I see myself versus some of the other. Um, female officers that I worked with dealing with different suspects,
0: mm-hmm.
3: they can smell weakness. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, we're all predators, right? Right. And uh, and it's definitely interesting to try, like, to just see them try and, like, push mm-hmm. uh, to see what they can get away with. Right. Because there are certain people, and not just females, there are certain people, dudes on the department, too, that yeah. they're, like, they're, they look terrified. They look like, right. And like, you shouldn't, you know, you need to have certain, a certain capability to be able to back things up. Yeah. You know,
2: or at least a better, you know, face.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> so you always
3: see those videos of officers, like, cause I watch a lot of videos just to like get reps in like mental reps, um, like officers that are like, don't do this. It's the last time I'm going to tell you. And they say that 20 times. Right. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. You have to actually back that up with something. Yeah. <laughs> do something. Make a plan to do something. Because if you say that and then you say it again, they're they're testing you. Right. So it's cool to see like different things like that because you can learn from them a lot. I would really like to go back and review videos and stuff like that. Right. And I mean, I fuck up too. So I'll go back and review my videos and Mm -hmm. see what I could have done better. So,
2: um, I think that that's, uh, an aspect of parenting. So when you do become a parent, Mm -hmm. this will come in very handy. It's like, when you say something, mean what you say. Okay. And don't, uh, like if you, if you create a rule, the rule has to be consistent. You can't just have it. This is a rule one day and the next day it's not.
3: Yeah. Right. Consistency.
2: Um, I think this is a thing that, like I said, that people have trouble with as parents. They don't understand that, like, you know, they're going to tell their kid, you know, don't do that. Or, you know, and give them like 20 warnings before there was some, you know, mm-hmm. consequence. It's like, yeah. that that's not how that works. You, you get to say it once. And after that, there's something happening. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, you know, this is shit's happening now. <laughs> okay, kind of thing. Um, I raised my son and that's, you can ask him. <laughs> it's just kind of how it is, you know? Um, and I carry that forward. That's just my perspective and the way I think about things, you know, that there isn't, you know, multiple chances. It's like I said, do this.
3: Yeah. Because wow, if this. you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. It's the yeah. whole class. It's classic right. saying. And people you know, somehow have started to forget that.
2: Right. And so in
3: everything in parenting,
2: especially. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of those rules still apply when you're dealing with adults, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because on some level, most adults aren't adults. They're still children. They're
3: still children. You know,
2: they're they're going to push and and see what they can get away with, mm-hmm. you know, in almost anything that you can think of. That's, that's just how we deal with things. Yep. You know? Um, so it's a good idea to like always kind of keep that in mind. It's like, if you say something, mean it. Mm-hmm. If you don't mean it, then don't say it. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So,
3: yeah. Yep. Classic. I like the... Definitely one of those things that I'm going to teach my children. And then like, if you say you're going to do something, do it, mm-hmm. like show up Right. or don't commit to something that you're right planning on backing out of later on too. So it's all these different traits that I feel like society is losing. But again, that's a whole
2: different conversation. Right. So kind of on that note though, um, what sort of advice do you have for women specifically and people in general?
3: um in this career or just in general it's
2: kind of like uh life life skills I guess. life so, advice
3: yeah um i think jordan peterson said it best when he said the most important decision that you're going to make in your life it's not your job it's not your career it's not where you live it's not any of those things it's it's the partner that you choose mm-hmm. um so i feel uh i think we talked a little bit about it earlier but like The family dynamic and all of that stuff has been so spread apart and divided. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, divorce is just a normal thing. My husband and I both grew up with divorced families. Mm -hmm. And that was a big reason why um, I said, I'm not having kids until we're good. Right. Until I know we're good. We're not having kids. Uh, I think that's a big, a huge part of just being able to be successful and have a happy life
1: right. like
3: I am not perfect by any means I grew up and I did some dumb shit and I had to learn from it Right. Um, but when I found my partner I found somebody who it wasn't just you know the first um, hot guy you know whatever right. it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that it was what does this person what are, what traits does this does this person have
0: mm-hmm.
3: and my husband has a foundation of having a relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and he's an amazing leader um, he's humble he's willing to learn and willing to grow and um he's intelligent and he communicates well he's these are all things that um I found in a husband and I was so blessed to have that partnership Mm -hmm. at a young age. We got married when we were 22, right after like two days after I turned 22. So very young and having a good partner in life that you can grow with and develop with and, um, challenge each other. Not somebody that's just going to sit down next to you and, you know, be okay with you being not okay. Like, right. you know, you, you want somebody that challenges you and that, that makes you better. And that calls out your shit. Right. Um, somebody that you contend that you can contend with. I think that's probably the best advice I have. And again, we're not perfect. We don't have kids yet. That's going to be a, t- a totally different, right. you know, um, challenge that we go through, but because Mm -hmm. we have such a foundation for how we live together and our standards and Mm -hmm. how we do life. Um I think that that ultimately like I'm not one of those police officers that goes out on the weekend and drinks and tells all my horror stories. I don't I don't drink alcohol and I don't I don't judge anybody that does, but it's not something that is a necessity for me to make myself feel better. Mm Cause I do drink every now and again when there's an occasion. Like I'll have a margarita or Moscow Mule when right. somebody's getting married, and I'll celebrate. Right. But celebration is different, right? Mm-hmm. Um. So I feel like, um, if you set yourself up with success, because everybody needs a partner. We're human beings. Yes. We we're not meant to be alone. No matter how many times people say say yeah. it, we're just not. Right. And if you find a partner in life that you can go through all of those hard times with Mm -hmm. and all the good times with and just be better. Um, you're just going to be better and you're going to be happier. Right. So that would be, that would be it.
2: That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I know that you have other things you got to get done today. Uh, don't want to be respectful of your time. Gotta
3: go make mac and cheese. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) For the um, but
2: it was wonderful having you here. Enjoying the conversation, as did I. Um, and I would love to have you back on at some point, not yeah, more. So that'd be fun. That'd be great.
3: Endless stories. Good. Uh, I always say it: stupid is uh, job security. So right. always have fun stories. <laughs> <laughs> There's awesome. a lot of stupid people out there. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for Absolutely. having me. I appreciate it.
2: And I uh, hope you have a great day and a great holiday.
3: Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas. <laughs> All, right.
2: All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also, you can now support the non-victim nation by donating via listener support directly on Spotify. Remember, the story of your life is being written right now. And you are the hero.